Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeters, who talked about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 202. This was a week of some odd stats. If you follow our Twitter account at 8311cast, you would have seen that for the first time ever, neither Alabama nor Clemson are poised to play in the college football playoffs, and that our own Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, who may be the most relevant Mr. Irrelevant that I can think of, became the first player drafted last in the NFL to throw for a touchdown. While both strange, I have two more for you to supplant those other two. First, that this past Sunday marked the third time in the year of 2022 that the Cincinnati Bengals have faced and subsequently beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. In reverse order of these games, we have the Chiefs at Bengals this past Sunday, December 4th, 27-24 loss for the Chiefs. A 27-24 Bengals win in the AFC Conference Championship game on January 30th, 2022. And then, of course, another Chiefs at Bengals 34 to 31 loss on January 2nd, 2022. And before we give Kyle a chance to make a comment on that, I want to share my favorite fun fact of today. And that is that we did have an NFL scoregami in the Colts and Cowboys game with a score that's never been scored before until this past weekend of 54 to 19. And I love scoregamis. I didn't even realize that was a scoregami. I should have thought when anybody scores that many points, decent chance of a scoregami. That's why you need to follow at NFL scoregami on Twitter. Uh, not a sponsor, but could be if if hmm. y'all want to link up. Hit us up. Hit us up. Yeah, there are only one, two, three. There are like only five teams that Patrick Mahomes has a losing record against at all. So it's impressive that the Bengals have beaten him three times in a row. And I think he it's the only team that he's ever lost to three times. It is, yeah. The only uh, the two teams, uh, the Bills, the Titans, and the Colts. He has lost to all those teams twice. Oddly enough, the Colts and the Seahawks he has not beaten. Interesting with the Colts because they're an AFC team too. Yeah, he's 0-2 against the Colts. Interesting. So I'm sure we'll talk more about um, that Chiefs game in a little bit. But uh, as per usual, we want to get you started with some Cyclone football. Um before we dive into the big news for the week, um, more transfers and people um, uh, declaring for the draft. I don't know if we talked about this last week, but MJ Anderson did declare for the NFL draft. So um, he will not be back with the team next year. Um, and then uh, Sean Shaw set, uh, entered the transfer portal with a lot of people who uh, also entered the transfer portal today across the nation. 400 or so entered the transfer portal, I think I saw, all yeah. at once. Yeah. Like one day. He, he was the only notable cyclone to enter the transfer portal today. It would be Sean Shaw. Um, but there were a lot across the nation. Other big names, uh, DJ Oilungalele from Clemson entered the transfer portal. Uh, Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. Um, just name a couple of, uh, that, of big That one players. actually surprised me. The Spencer Sanders one, because they don't seem to have a real clear cut quarterback behind him where he was losing all of his playing time. But I guess he just wanted to change his yeah, scenery. His, his his backup is so bad that he was hurt and he still had to come in and relieve his backup because his backup was so bad. Also, uh, the backup in Iowa was transferring to what's his name? The backup to Petrus. I don't even remember, but I did see that. 
Yeah, he's transferring to. It was because of the Michigan backup transferring in. There, he was like, "Well, I had to sit behind Petrus all year, so I definitely will be sitting behind Cade McNamara all year." Oh, McNamara transferred to Iowa. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like that. I saw he was transferring from Michigan, but I didn't see that he uh, was headed to Iowa. Yep, he is. So there are some notable transfers, and we'll keep an eye on all of the ones and how they may impact the Cyclones, including transfers in, which I assume we'll get some, um, we should do every year. Um, but uh, on to the big news. Um, as uh, has been uh, thought about many times and speculated about uh, multiple weeks on, on this show, uh, Tom Manning is officially out as the Cyclones' offensive coordinator, um, following out the door with the offensive line coach and the strength and conditioning coach um, all out. And the search for a new offensive coordinator didn't take very long. Uh, the Cyclones promoted Nate Shielhaas. Is that how I pronounce that? Sure. It's just I, Shiel- I think it's just Shielhaas. Shielhaas? Shields. Shields, the, the mm-hmm. boarding the store. And then, and then Haas. <laughs> the store. Like Haas, like Haas <laughs> racing. Gotcha. So it looks a Thank lot harder that, to pronounce Kyle. than it is. What about the extra E on the end, though? Because the, the, the Haas company, the, I don't know. I think it's I, I like Shiel Haas. Haas. Not, Shiel Haas. It doesn't matter that much. <laughs> anyway, so he was promoted. He was previously the running. He's uh, been on the staff for quite a while as uh, running backs and uh, coaching running backs and wide receivers, two of probably our best position groups offensively um, over the last five years, for sure. Um he was promoted to be the new offensive coordinator. Um, Ariane and Kyle, you had listed some, some facts about him. You want to go with those? Uh, yeah, he played at U of I. Uh, what? He was a quarterback, right? Yeah, quarterback for the University of Illinois. Illinois. He worked with uh, wide receivers from like 14 to 17 there, I think. I just peeked at a story before I got on. Yeah, he... Uh... Oh, where is that now? I'm trying to like I'm scanning through his bio and there's so many dates. Uh, he was on staff at Illinois from 2015 to 2017, spending his first season as an assistant director of football operations and running back coach. Um, Lovey Smith retained him and worked his last two seasons as an offensive analyst uh, for that team. So uh, he was a four year starter and two team captain uh, at quarterback. And he led them to two bowl victories. Um, over 8,000 passing yards, 2,000 rushing yards in his career. So pretty decent quarterback for a four, four year starter, uh, at Illinois. And he was also like what named like the top 30 under 30 coaches in college football or something. So obviously nationally he's got some respect too. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see like what style of offense he implements and, and what, what his, I see how his brain works and how he kind of takes over this team and, and really refines their identity. Um, obviously he's worked with a lot of uh, recent greats at Iowa state. Um, he was on staff when coaching uh, David Montgomery uh, and then was instrumental in the recruitment of Brees Hall to Iowa state. Uh, also worked with getting Jirel Brock there as well. Um, and then he's, uh, coaching up the wide receivers, uh, you know, got the likes of Xavier Hutchinson, uh, two-time 
or I mean, two big 12, all big 12 receivers, Deshante Jones won in 2019 and then Xavier Hutchinson in 2020 as well as 2021. Um, and I believe again this year, correct? What about Xavier Hutchinson? Sorry. Did he win like big 12 honors this year? Uh, I believe it was first team all big 12. Yeah. Yeah. So I can go confirm that quick for you. So obviously he has a way of, of coaching up specific skill positions. Uh, we'll see how that translates to an entire offense in an offensive scheme. Um, I do believe what we're seeing though, is some changes being made by the, by the coaching staff. Uh, Matt Campbell said that, you know, there's a need to put different people in charge uh, and kind of get a new kind of identity uh, into this team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this progresses and how Nate grows into this role. And it did confirm Hutchinson was first team all big 12. So, yeah, I mean, sure. I can't make many judgments on him before we've seen him do any offensive things. So we'll withhold judgment until the season. Right. I don't have much more to many more thoughts about that. I don't know if anybody else does. Yeah. Just waiting to see. Yeah, not too much more you can offer. It's kind of like some of the first games in basketball this season. You know, we were expecting some change on the coaching staff. It happened outside of, you know, proven talent as an offensive coordinator and some of the schemes that they're bringing in were um, bringing in proven talent at specific skill positions and coaching uh, players up and uh, seeing how he will work and, and grow in a new role. It, it'll be fun to see. Looking forward to next season. But before we get into next season, um, we've got a whole Cyclone basketball uh, season ahead of us. And uh, I think it's going to be all signs of pointing to being a great one for both the the men and the women. Um, It was another good week for both of those teams. Um, On the men's side, uh, they got off to a little bit of a slow start against uh, North Dakota, but ended up pulling it out and uh, getting the W and... um, you know, it wasn't particularly close in the end. Um, and then in the second game, they jumped on uh, formerly undefeated St. John's, went up 15-2 to two early, and uh, never really got it particularly close. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it was pretty uh, pretty uh, uncompetitive for most of the game. So, yeah, good, good week for the men. Anybody got any other notes on those games they want to talk about? Most of the things that we saw in this week, I guess against the North Dakota team, the thing that was a little frustrating, I noted it was a tale of two halves. The first half, they looked like they were still getting off the bus or the plane from Portland. Um, This team looked like it had a little bit of a hangover. Uh, But in the second half, they really ramped up the defense, started causing a lot more turnovers, and then it really got uh, out of hand pretty quick for North Dakota. Um, With St. John's, I will say... I, I don't think we can garner much uh, from this team if we've gotten better at going and getting uh, rebounds because both of these teams seem to shoot the ball and bail uh, that most of their offensive game plan. I will say St. John's did get quite a few more offensive rebounds than I would have liked to have seen with their big man uh, and all big, like two-time Big East player of the week, Soriano, I think was in foul trouble largely in most of that game, most of the first half, and then in the second half. So a lot of offensive rebounds for smaller guys on that court. Uh, It seemed like they were getting out-hustled sometimes by that St. John's team. The one thing to watch and note is this 
Iowa State team really struggles with press break. Um, I don't know who that go-to ball handler is, right? In days of past, it was Monte Morris handling press Virginia. I couldn't even imagine having to watch this team play press Virginia right now because all of our TVs would probably be broken uh, in frustration. Um, This team would probably have 22 turnovers in that game. Thankfully, press Virginia doesn't exist anymore. So thankfully, I don't know if it'll ever come back, but thankfully it doesn't exist this year. Not just breaking fast, getting to the ball and then utilizing dribbles, screens, passes just to get the ball up the court. Um, there's not a lot of pure ball handlers on this team outside of Lipsy. Um, and I do not love Robert Jones, 80 feet from the basket in the backcourt, dribbling the ball. No, get, get him under the basket at the other end of the court. I would prefer if Jazz Coons is handling the ball for as much as TJ is good on defense. We got to get a different press break scheme in there because it ain't working. And that's been an issue last year as well. That's not a new thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much it'll help with the press break at least, but we do only have to play two more games without, uh, without uh, Trey King Trey and then he'll King. be back. He, so I, I don't know if we talked about this in detail last week. Did we? We did not. I don't think so, no. So the reason that Trey King has not been playing is because he transferred after the start of the fall semester last season he has to sit out two full semesters. So he had to sit out last spring semester and then this fall semester. So that's why we haven't had him is he needed to sit out two semesters because he was a late transfer. The semester for Iowa State ends Friday, December 16th, which means he'll be eligible to play on Sunday, December 18th against Western Michigan. And hopefully we'll be up to speed Come New Year's Eve, come the New Year's Eve game against Baylor. We're gonna need it for Baylor. Yeah, for sure. A couple things I noticed about this team. Uh, we've talked about it before. You can't give up offensive rebounds and foul a bunch. They didn't foul at all versus North Dakota, which was cool. And I was like, oh, maybe we figured it out. And then St. John's had 25 free throws. So maybe not. The offense still looks pretty rough. We're basically just making up for being bad at offense by being really, really good at defense. But I would love to see somebody just be somewhat, uh, you know, efficient. You know, I look at this game. Oceany is the guy I look for to be kind of efficient down low. He went three for 12. Jaron Holmes went four for 12. Did you watch the game? I got into the second half. All of his three looked really sexy. Like they were really big dunks, but apparently he missed every other shot. No, every other shot. He had multiple shots inside the paint and they were just all bricks. They were so flat. I don't. Which is usually Robert Jones's job. Correct. And he was our leading, uh, our leading field goal maker. He also had quite a few turnovers. Yeah, he did. And he fouled out. Robert Jones should not be the guy with doing stuff. He should catch rebounds, do a putt back, and that's it. That's all we should ask of him. If he's doing more, I don't think we're going to be the best team we can be. But didn't he score like 24 against Baylor last year, or was that in Aruna? That was in Aruna. 
Was that Inuuna? Okay. Yep. I knew some, somebody who was just bad, a, a bad offensive big man just went off against Bay. I was right at the beginning year. of the year, too. I was so hyped. I'm like, Inuuna is going to do He's going to be yeah. so good this year. And I think he scored that amount of points for the rest of the year combined. Because <laughs> we were all like, oh, this is the Inuuna that KU thought they were going to yeah, get. And we were like, that. oh, we have him now. And it's like, mm. Mm, That's the last time we saw him. <laughs> Pretty much. And then he transferred again, right? I don't even know where he is anymore. He, he ain't on the team. Let me see if I can figure out where he is. He transferred to some small school somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, it just you would like to see some uh, efficiency out of him. Gabe Kalsher only shot four attempts, which is interesting. I mean, he was in foul trouble. I get that. But I don't know if I like Gabe Kalsher not shooting the ball at all or Gabe Kalsher missing a bunch of shots. I don't know. He was in first he was in foul trouble in the first half because the refs were very quick to call technical fouls in this game. Uh yeah, St. John's and Iowa State had two offsetting technical foul calls uh in the first half. And they shouldn't have been called. I mean, those those refs were really quick to call it. I don't know if there were any magic words said. One of them was on Gabe Kalsher because that Soriano guy the whistle had been blown. Kalsher had the ball completely in his control, and Soriano just ripped the ball like out of his hands. And Gabe Kalsher stood up to him and was just like, I, "From what I could see, he said, hey, man, don't do that.'" And then Soriano like pushed him a little bit, and then the refs came in and called a double technical on both of them. And it's like, that's too much. Just spread them out. Yeah, like, just break it up. Break it up. That's move it. on. It was going into a TV timeout anyway. Yeah, I was like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? I will say Andre Corbello looked pretty sweet in his sunglasses indoors. I don't know what those are. Is, <laughs> did he play for Illinois or is that his brother? Uh, I meant to look that up because I thought there was a Corbello that played for that Illinois team. Yeah, he did. He uh, played for Brad Illinois Underwood. for the last two seasons. Yeah, so that's where he went. Okay. Yeah, he transferred this year. I'm also, like, why are they tinted? Yeah, I was like, also, I did not recognize that that was Mike Anderson until they announced him as former Missouri Tigers basketball coach, Mike Anderson. I was like, oh, man, that guy doesn't have any hair anymore. <laughs> He's completely bald. His eyebrows, are, his eyebrows were gone, too. It's like, poor man. But, you know, it is what it is. This team just lacks a lot of offensively offense on offensive efficiency uh, overall. Um, but thankfully they make up for it in defense. According to Ken Palm right now, uh, they are up to 40, like 41st ranked team in Ken Palm, number 13 on defense, number one in defensive turnover percentage. So they force a lot of turnovers, which is something that's going to help them drastically, uh, as they go into games like later on in this week and as we get into Big 12 play. It's just if they can add rebounding to the turnover rate, like we're going to take five to ten more shots than the other team every game. If they just could rebound, I feel like this team would be fantastic. Even having the crappy offense and fouling all the time. Well, like we looked this up before. So, okay. Currently, right now, Jazz Coons leads the team with 6.1 rebounds per game. Right. At least he's a forward. But Osun had or Robert Jones career stats. Yeah, Robert Jones has never been good at rebounding. Rebounds per game. 
3.8 for his career. His best season was five. And that was at Denver in his sophomore season. That's Summit League. So he's taller than pretty much everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. And then Osunini, he has his career rebounding. Okay, 7.8. He is drastically under his career numbers right now. So I don't know what the deal is there. Uh, I mean, he's coming off of seven and a half rebounds a game per last year, 9.4 in 2021 and like in the 2020, 2021 season. Yeah, we could use some of that. Uh, we could use a lot of that right now. <laughs> I don't know what it is because his block numbers are also down. Maybe it's just the jump in level of competition between the Atlantic 10 and the Big 12. Some of the rebounding can be attributed to the type of defense we play, right? We do a lot of rotation and a lot of help defense, which does two things, right? First, it could put him... It opens up a strong side rebound. It could could put him rotating up out of the lane more often. And secondly, right, if you have to rotate to help against the shot, you're now no longer in rebounding position, right? That could be part of the reason why this team's bigs just don't rebound very well is because they're very often rotating rotating to in defense a lot for a guy who averaged 8.1 rebounds a game at st bonaventure to drop all the way to under four i mean you're cutting it in half i i i guess i would just expect a little bit more either a little bit more rebounds or an uptick in block shots possibly right this is where it'd be nice to be able to see percentage contest like how many shots is he contesting a game and i don't know if that's something we can see for college or where to find that, but that would be an interesting stat to see as well. But we'll move on. We're getting bogged down in the details. So just just to fall back through, uh, Enuna is at Cleveland State now. Oh, there you go. They're like Lumberjacks or something, or Vikings. Uh, uh, Vikings, yes. But Cleveland is in a state. It is now. Anyway, on to the women. Mike, how did the women do this week? Yeah, the women uh, only had one game this week, and they absolutely destroyed SIUE. Does anybody know who SIUE, what what does that even stand for? Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville. It was about 30 minutes from where I grew up. Go Salukis. Edwardsville. Edwardsville. That's a place? Yeah, it's right by Alton, Illinois. Shout out. But yeah, their mascot is a Saluki, which is the prettiest, most gentle dog you've ever seen. And I don't know why that's a mascot you would pick. But uh, yeah, my, I have friends and cousins who went there. I'm very familiar. Been to their campus a few times. Well, they don't have a good women's basketball team. No. Uh, we absolutely destroyed them. So there's that. Uh, not much else to say about the women. Uh, they're 10 in the AP poll. I don't know if we mentioned the Cyclone uh, men are 20th. Uh, so yeah, that's what we have from the last week in the women's. But it's a big week um, for both the men's and women's teams coming up now. It is Cyhawk week for basketball which is huge for both the men and the women. It starts on Wednesday um, with the women's game. They are going to be playing on Wednesday, 6 p.m., I believe. or Yeah, 6 p.m. Wednesday on ESPN2. Um, that is at Iowa. That's a top-ranked Iowa team, right? Yeah, number 16. 16. Yeah. Yep. So 10 Iowa State at 16 Iowa on the women's side on Wednesday. Um, and then they follow that up um, with a game on 
um, Sunday as well against Jacksonville, which is, you know, probably not a very good game, but anyway. Um, and then over on the men's side, the Seahawks game is on Thursday, 7 p.m. on FS1. Um, that is number 26, Iowa. They were the uh, first team out of the rankings. Um, they did receive votes, though. Um, so there's that. And um, that'll be, again, also at Iowa, 7 p.m. on FS1. And the men play McNeese State on Sunday. Um, two big Seahawks games. We'll have to see. I the only games that Ken Palm gives us a lower percentage of winning for the rest of the season is at Baylor, at Texas, and at Kansas. So they really like Iowa. Ken it's a Palmer. tough game, and I think TeamRankings.com. I mean, the thing to look for here, obviously, is um, you're going to have strength on strength. Iowa is led by uh, Keegan Murray's younger brother, Chris Murray. Uh, averaging 21 points per game right now, shooting over 51% from the field. They look uh, like identical. <laughs> correct. I um, thought that was him. I, I also thought it was him, but I was like, nope, he got drafted. Uh, Iowa scores 86.4 points per game, while Iowa State averages 71.8. Iowa State's defense only allows 56.81 points per game, where Iowa gives up nearly 68 points per game. Uh, fuel goal percentage nearly the same, rebounds per game nearly the same. So that could be a, a crucial area for the Cyclones is if they can rebound better than Iowa, that could help. Um, but steals per game, Iowa State at 11.6, Iowa at 7.6. So uh, defense versus offense, which one will give um, which and which one will break? I think the real question is the other way. Can their defense be worse than how bad our offense is? We already know the defense is going to be good. The question is, can we show up at all and score any points on what's not a super intimidating offense? If it's a repeat of last year, yes. Yeah. We can scored we a lot of points last year. Have another random Caleb Grill performance from somebody where they just decide they're not going to miss anymore. Yeah, their, their offense had a day. Um, against us even Iowa's offense played pretty well against us considering last year but their defense didn't hold up and it wasn't close so we will have to see there I mean this is a worse defense than North Carolina it's a worse defense um, than uh, UConn it's a worse defense than um, Villanova all according to Ken Palm so this we could score some points here that's what I'm saying. Does, does Iowa historically do they have a press defense? Like, do they do any sort of pressure? That's not my a question. Because I don't if, recall if that. Iowa pressed a lot or were up in your face on the ball a lot, that's where Iowa State never looked comfortable against UConn at all. But UConn was guarding you at the midcourt line, pretty much, um, and all up in your face. Iowa just Iowa State was just never able to get comfortable. I think in games where they've had a little bit more space to work and move offensively, they've looked a little bit more, a little bit better uh, and a little bit more uh, or a little bit less discombobulated on the offensive side. So that could be a key as well is uh, watch out in the first couple of minutes of the game. If Iowa is pressing the ball a lot on defense, uh, it could be a long night for the Iowa state offense. See, it'll be worth keeping an eye on 7 PM on Thursday. 
And we'll, of course, give you uh, a full breakdown of that game on next week's episode. Kyle, what happened uh, this week in the NFL? Uh, a lot of interesting things. So Cyclone Nation might have seen a lot of stuff this week uh, or the start of this week because of some quarterback injuries. It was the week of the quarterback injury, starting out with Jimmy Garoppolo hurt eight plays into the game, taken out of the game, later diagnosed with a broken foot requiring surgery out for the year. Dun, da, da, da. In comes. Mr. Irrelevant, pick number 262, Brock Purdy. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant, no longer, currently QB1 for the San Francisco 49ers, comes in, touchdown pass uh, early on in the first quarter, touchdown pass with three seconds to go left before half, um, only one interception in this game, and the 49ers roll uh, past the Miami Dolphins in a game where their defense played very, very well. Uh, a game where Tua Tagovailoa was hurt at the end of the game. Um, they don't expect him to be out for a long time, but a lot of QBs getting beat up this week. But Brock Purdy, that is the story, is this is a playoff-bound team, possibly. Can Brock Purdy tread enough water uh, as an NFL quarterback to kind of keep this like the ship upright? and keep them going because all they really have to do is get past the Seattle Seahawks and their winners of that division. They've got a great defense. So everyone keep your eyes on that. Good for Brock Purdy making a great performance to start out. Now the question is, uh, Baker Mayfield got cut today. No, no. Yeah. He's where's he going to go? He's going to get put somewhere. I I just, the 49ers are 32. I don't think Jimmy Garopp or sorry, I don't think Kyle Shanahan likes Baker Mayfield just because his style is not what Kyle Shanahan's offense does. What is Baker Mayfield's style? He's been awful this year. That's a great question. And I don't I don't know if that's something that the 49ers want to bring in, yeah. right? But everybody's going to take a chance on a number one overall pick. You you otherwise you're playing some guy I've never heard of as your backup think- quarterback. Don't, yeah, I'm not saying you should pull. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I'm, Give him a week, right? Give him a week. See what he does next week. Baker Mayfield. Who's gonna go pick up Baker Mayfield right now? Baker Mayfield. Yes. He's not clearing waivers. I'm, I can tell I'm, you that for sure. I, I, I'm not. Saying are the 49ers Mayf- first in line in the waivers? Thirty-second. So they're not gonna get him unless nobody else wants him, and I would doubt that happens. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying they should play him over Purdy next week. But they should pick him up if he's there. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, that's that's immediately where my head went to was everyone was saying Brock Purdy to QB1. And for this week going into the next game, yes, he is. Throughout the season, is he QB1? Where my mind went to is, okay, what quarterbacks are out there right now who well, aren't on a team and who you could call up and say, hey, come lead my team? Does Fitzmagic want to quit his Amazon Prime job and come on? Probably not. Do you get Philip Rivers out of retirement? Oh Philip Rivers probably creaks like a rocking chair when he stands up these days. I don't think he's getting back on that field. Probably. Um, who else? Can you convince Andrew Locke to come out of retirement? Now that would be a story. 
that would be a the Colts he, would be furious. I said, he might still be under, might contract, be under contract with the Colts, so yeah, I think he is. I think he is. The Colts would have to cut him. I think the Colts would be very that. happy to have him back about this point, though. I'm sure they would. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. That's really interesting. It just the timing of it sucks for the 49ers. You know, yeah. right after the trade deadline, uh, not much you can do. Just kind of how the the cookie crumbles. Yeah, when you lose two quarterbacks, you're in a tough position. Honestly, they're lucky that they have Brock Purdy as their third string quarterback because most people don't have somebody who's that established. And yeah. I, I consider him a reasonably polished quarterback for a random, you know, practice squad guy. Basically, look at what the L.A. Rams had to throw out against the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So that's typically where you were. Yeah, who's the Chiefs' number three quarterback? Shane Bouchelle. Wait, no, he's with the Colts now. Who is it? I thought it was him. I don't even know. Uh, Five thirty-eight has that information. They do. The, the Vikings have David Blau. So do you either have Brock Brock Purdy or David Blau? Uh, I would rather I would rather have Brock Purdy. Oh, it is Shane Bouchel. Sorry, I was thinking of who's the Colts' third string? Sam Ellinger. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, I. I think I'd rather have Brock Purdy than Shane Bouchelle too. That's so third string quarterback when it all comes down to it. But who do they have behind Brock Purdy now? That's Kurt, the problem. Kurt Ben Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt, what? Kurt Ben Kirk. Okay, sure. Ben Kurt. It's not even Kirk. It's Ben Kurt. How did I? How did I miss the Kansas City Chiefs picking up Melvin Gordon? Yeah, it flew under the radar, and he's probably not going to play. He should. He fumbles too much. I don't. I don't want him on the team. That's his only prop. I mean, Adrian Peterson only, fumbles a lot like too. Solve it. I I like Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah we Pacheco is in, good. We can get into the Chiefs later. That's true. They have a whole running already. Coming back in, he's only on IR for four games. Don't bring in Melvin Gordon. You don't need it. It's whatever. We're signing all these old running backs going into playoff runs, and it. Everyone was like, oh, Le'Veon Bell, he's going to return to his form. Yeah, nobody bought that. (laughs) Nope. No, doesn't work. Uh, So speaking of like just wild and crazy, like the NFL is a wild place, right? Lamar Jackson gets hurt uh, against the Denver Broncos. They're down nine to three for most of the game. Tyler Huntley, fourth quarter magic, comes back. Baltimore Ravens beat the Denver Broncos. Hallelujah, that Denver Broncos pick Going to the Seattle Seahawks is still a top three pick in the NFL right now. Uh, draft, so good job, Ravens. You beat the low, like lifeless Denver Broncos right now, and that team is at odds with each other. You've got defensive tackles yelling at quarterbacks. It's a mess. Uh, the Bills, on the other hand, are singing songs of joy and praise as they go from fifth in the AFC to first all while sitting on their couches watching football after they uh, handled the New England Patriots on Thursday night football this week. So the Bills are back in first place at 9-3. and three. Uh, Obviously, same record as the Chiefs, but the overall head-to-head victory goes between them. Big matchup going on later in the season as the Buffalo Bills in week uh, 17 have to travel to Cincinnati. Cincinnati still has an outside chance of that first round by they have a 9% chance in the AFC uh, now because they own that head to head victory over the chiefs. And if they beat the bills, 
then they own that head-to-head as well. Uh, Elsewhere in the NFL, A.J. Brown got to play his old team for the first time since that draft day trade where Tennessee traded him to the Philadelphia Eagles. He got a long-term contract, went off against Tennessee. Uh, The Titans are only as effective uh, in their games as Derrick Henry is effective. I mean, it seems obvious to say Tennessee goes where Derrick Henry goes, right? But it's a whole, like the offensive line has to play well in order for that to happen. And if teams are actually to stop Derrick Henry, which is really hard to do, then it the Tennessee Titans don't look great. I think Ryan Tannehill, that might have been one of the worst contracts for a quarterback in NFL history outside of possibly this Russell Wilson deal right now. And the uh, Russell Wilson deals have to be worse right now. Right? For sure. For Currently, sure. but I still think that Russell Wilson has a higher ceiling than Ryan Tannehill, right? Maybe. I don't know. Mm, I agree with you for sure. Yeah. I, but Ryan Tannehill Russell Wilson, doesn't really have a high Wilson, ceiling ever. Russell Wilson, you still have a lot of money committed to him. Like the the Denver Broncos are going to be in cap hell the, for the, the contract a long is, the, ter- time. The contract is worse than the trade. Correct. The contract is worse than trade. I agree. And they with have that. both. But you now have to go get rid of your head coach and hope you hope that someone can come in and fix that. Because you don't know if anyone could fix it right now. Yeah, they're like, we got like the highest cap money, cap money on injured reserve this season. The Denver Broncos have been hurt for, go back three or four seasons. The Denver Broncos are always hurt. They just draft these guys that are fragile, uh, it seems like. And they have an offense that doesn't work. You've got defense yelling at your offense. The defense has been great this season. It's not their fault. Russell Wilson can't just find the end zone. I don't know. I don't even know if he if if he knows what it looks like anymore. He's spending too much time closing his eyes at midfield, turning around before the start of the game. So maybe he's a little dizzy, doesn't know where he's throwing. But I think that's what it is. Uh, Derrick Henry is the Tennessee Titans. He's their identity. How much longer can he hold up for? We'll see. But with Mike Vrabel and Derrick Henry there, they're still always going to be in that contention and they're a scary team to play. Uh, the Vikings, Mike, uh, sigh of relief at the end of the game there. Vikings need a INT to in the end zone to, to seal the win over the jets. Just win. I don't care how you do it. The, this team, the only way this team doesn't make the playoffs is if they lose every game for the rest of the year and the Detroit lions win every game for the rest of the year. That's it. That's the only scenario where the Vikings don't make the playoffs at this point. At this point, I don't care how you win. Just win. This team is highly likely to be a top two seed in the playoffs. Um, I've got no complaints. Just keep winning. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what matters in the NFL. Win every week. The, the, uh, this, this team does exactly what the Cyclones didn't do this year. This team doesn't get penalized. They win the turnover battle, and they're great in the red zone. That's how you win close games, is you do those three things well. The, three, the exact three things the Cyclones didn't do at all this season. And arguably, that's been the Chiefs' downfalls. As we uh, talk about the Bengals now being 3-0 in 2022 against the Chiefs, uh, there's something specific about that Bengals' defense, the three-man rush with the spy 
linebacker that just has Mahomes number. He's seen that a couple times already this season and torch teams with it. Uh, but it's something about the Bengals schematic defensively that, that really just kind of gets to the chiefs, the costly fumble by Kelsey and absolute zero pressure all contributed or zero pressure on Joe Burrow, the most hit quarterback in the league this season, all contributed to Casey's uh, ultimate demise in this game. Um, red zone opportunities as well cost the chiefs a lot uh and turnovers uh cowboys explode for 33 in the fourth quarter uh with the jimmy g injury who's the team to beat in the nfc is it dallas or philadelphia they still have I to mean, play once is minnesota even with a fluke Definitely against it, it's been the eagles it's always been the eagles even when people thought it was the 49ers it's been the eagles yeah sorry i just sort of blew up your question but we'll see we'll see i I I agree that the the Eagles look like the most complete team in the NFC. I just don't know. I don't know if they have the experience when it gets to the playoff time. That's still an unknown for me. If you uh, told me to put money down right now on the Super Bowl, I'm picking Eagles Chiefs, and I feel all right about that. I don't feel that nervous. Are you are you giving me even odds on everybody? Let's. Let's not get into that. Hold on one second. You're jumping the gun. Oh, sorry, sorry, my fault. Since we had the college football playoff selection committee, oh shoot, I didn't even in the selection the show. Right, we did our top four college football teams. We figured that out: Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. Sorry, Alabama. Sucks to be you. Uh, top four teams in the NFL right now. We'll do our 83-11 cast edition of this. Top four teams in the NFL right now does not have to be. Two from each each conference, right? AFC or NFC, just pick your top four teams. Mike, am I doing all four or like all four? My fir- all four top, in top order. Top four in order. Top four in order: Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Bills. Okay, Arian. I'm gonna agree with Eagles, Chiefs, and then I'm gonna say. Bills, Cowboys. Okay. Wyatt? So close. I have Eagles, Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins. Ooh, Dolphins. I like that. I I would have had... This is why the NFL is crazy. If you would have had me la- asked me last week, I would have said 49ers. Not the first, but they would have been in my top four. I'm going to go Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, Bengals. And somehow the 10 and 2 team got left out of all four lists. <laughs> I mean, if, if I was making my, if I was continuing my list, I probably would have put Bengals 5, Dolphins 6, Vikings 7. So I just, it, I'm sorry. There's a lot to like about the Vikings. It's just the glaring thing in front of you is Kirk Cousins in primetime or big games. I, That's I don't know. That's not even the problem I mean, with this I, team, though. I agree. Not really Kirk Cousins, but like the whole thing. They're just like always hanging on by their fingernails. You can't do that against the best teams in the league. It's just not going to work. This Vikings defense is not good. They are not. That is the problem with this team. Kirk Cousins is not the problem with this team. How many points to the Bills? Quite a a few. Yeah, this this team, they are very good in the red zone, this team is. Um, And they're very good at creating turnovers. That's what the defense is good at, but the, the Jets put up almost 500 yards against them. I will say, having Justin Jefferson does make you look like a better quarterback. 
It, it does, yes. Kirk Cousins and, is and not the safety problem. nets of TJ Hawkinson and Adam yeah. Thielen. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk Cousins the is not the problem with this Vikings team. I will say, I think Justin Jefferson has jumped the gun now to where he fails to make a catch. And then I still have to listen to commentators talk about how cool of a catch that would have been if he did it. And I'm like, okay, but he didn't though. So let's move on to the next play. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I remember that. Before Wyatt actually goes and mutes us all, that was our top four. Glaringly, Minnesota was left out of it. Some people didn't have the Cowboys in there. But there is a consensus that the Eagles and the Chiefs are in there, that the Bills are in there. So per the 83-11 cast, you are going to see one of those three teams. But we can all agree that the Vikings should not be underdogs to the Lions next week, right? God, no. Yeah, no. The Lions, sorry, the Lions are getting better, but the Vikings are the better team. Yes. I don't care you're playing in Detroit. Don't care. Thank you. You're the better team. And it's not like any, right? The Vikings will what probably have one starter who is injured and doesn't play in that game is probably about it. So it's not the like line super there might be a lot of points in that game, but what do you, what do you set the line at? What do you think they should be favored by? Three and a half. I would probably exactly say, I was gonna say, I'd say four and a half. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say three and a half as well. I, I don't doubt this is going to be a close game because it seems like that's all the Vikings can play is close yep. games, but but no, I don't, don't, yeah. I, I expect the Vikings to win this game. They should win it. Anyway, sorry, that was not on the outline. I just had to bring it up since we were talking about people doubting the Vikings. Anything, anything else on the NFL? Anybody else got any points there? I don't think so, but looking ahead, is this an NFL edition of Mike's Stupid Rules this week or college football? It is. It is an NFL edition of Mike's Stupid Rules this week. We're going to talk about a rule that I learned well, uh, listening to Sunday Night Football um, while I was driving um, yesterday. So where we are going to look for this um, one is Rule 14, Section 5, Article 2. Um, so to set you up, there was a scenario in the Colts-Cowboys game where there was a kickoff and there was um, simultaneously – holding or not simultaneously but both on the play holding on the Colts and a unnecessary roughness or I think maybe it was unsportsmanlike conduct um, penalty on the Cowboys both on the kickoff now as I said this falls under rule 14 article 5 or section 5 article 2 this is considered a double foul with a change of possession right the kickoff is a change of possession a scrimmage or a kick is a free kick so we're going to look in part three of that rule that says that um, if, both, if both teams foul after the last change of possession, right? So after the, the kick has already happened in this case, the penalties are offset like you would expect, but instead of replaying the play like you'd normally expect, um, the team with last possession shall retain the ball at the spot where its foul would be enforced if it was the only foul. So those offsetting penalties on the kickoff don't result in another kickoff. It just results with the receiving team getting the ball where they otherwise would have, uh, where their penalty would have been enforced. So in the, 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 this, the case of the Colts-Cowboys, where the Colts committed the holding. 
And when you think about it, this makes sense on something like an interception too, right? Say this would have happened on an interception and then the Colts get called for holding while blocking and then there's unnecessary roughness on the hit, right? You don't offset the interception. The penalties had nothing to do with the interception. So this this rule makes sense to me. Any questions on this rule? I think this one makes sense, but I didn't realize it until after. What if in your example, the interception happens because of the penalty by the team who got the interception? Yeah. So if one penalty were to happen before the interception, one or both penalties, well, both happened before the interception, they both offset and will just replay the down. Um, if otherwise, I believe we're going to replay the down either way, even if one happens before and the other one after. Is that correct, Ryan? Uh, no. So, so like you said, if, so we have team A, which is the offense here throwing the interception and team B is the team who gets the interception. If team A commits a foul, uh, but team A commits a foul at any point in time, we don't really care when, uh, if team B commits a foul prior to the ball being intercepted, we will replay the down with team A still retaining possession. But if team B commits the foul after they retain possession, team B will have the the ball at the spot of the interception. Correct. Yes. Or the spot of the penalty, right? Not necessarily the interception. Um, it'll usually be the spot of the interception um, because there's offsetting yardage, right? That there is no yardage penalty here. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. There you go. Any other questions on this rule? None for me. I am. You good too? I am good. Okay. That is it for Mike's Stupid Rules. I hope you all enjoyed that and you learned something new. Um, on our accountability session, I think you won't learn anything new because I think you're going to learn that, um, we're bad is mostly what you're going to learn. A lot of, uh, end of year college football predictions coming off the board here. Um, first one was from Wyatt, uh, that I missed last week. It said that an ISU opponent snaps a play from on or inside their own two yard line at some point this year. That did not happen. So I get to, nah, nah, nah. I I predicted the Cyclones would make it into the AP Top 25 at some point this season. They did not do that, so I get a nah. 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 Ariane uh, inversely predicted that they would not be ranked in the AP poll this season, so he gets a ding 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 ding. I predicted that KU would not go to a bowl game. They are going to the Liberty Bowl. Enjoy Memphis, KU. It's not that great. But either way, I get a nah. 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 I also predicted that Minnesota would go to a Rose Bowl or better. Um, they end up in the Pinstripe Bowl in New York, which is, last time I checked, probably not better than the Rose Bowl. You're not going to give that to me, guys? No, uh, no, I don't think no. so. No. All right, sounds good. So, nah. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, Wyatt, you did uh, redeem us a little bit by saying that Bama does not make the college football playoff, which as we detailed, they did not. So ding, 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 ding. And then I also predicted uh, four weeks ago that the Vikings would win three out of their next four, which they did, um, beating the Bills, Patriots, and Jets um, with a loss to the Cowboys in there. So ding, 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 ding. ding. That is it for our accountability session this week. As per normal, I will um, put the first prediction back on the board, and I am going to predict two Cyhawk wins this week. Yeah. 
I don't know. For some reason, I was waiting for you to tell me what the two Cyhawk wins were. I'm like, okay, what are they? <laughs> uh, I assume you mean men and women's basketball. I, I do mean men's and women's basketball, yes. Uh, not likely. I assume our – I'm thinking we're probably going to lose the men's game. I also think we'll probably win the women's game. I want to lean triple on this, but between double and triple is where my head is at. Do we get BPI for the women's game? No. Uh, no. Dang. I'm probably overconfident, but I'm leaning more towards a double. I thought you I, would say that. I was as well. I guess we'll do double then. Oh, come on. I, That's what I, I thought. I, I feel like I don't disagree triple. with you. I don't disagree, but I can't. I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't feel right to give it a double, but I don't want to give it a triple. A women's game is a single. Yeah. You're playing the number 16 team in the nation on the road. That's a toss-up at Would best. You say, right, a 50-50 shot. That's a single. But then when you combine, combine it with the fact that we have a 20% chance to win the men's game, to me, and I then throw everything low. out because it's a rivalry game, like, it, I, I, it's a triple like a, to me. Like I'm, on to side, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. But it does. I'm not enough. Hey, we all get shafted sometimes. I tried. Uh, I'll take the double, I guess. A, a terrible double that is. Do everything for Josh. <laughs> he's still alive. I presume he's still alive because he did open my Snapchat, but he did not respond. Um, so I believe that means uh, it's a strikeout. But I did send it to him like two and a half uh, hours ago. So. So we will give Josh a strikeout. I'm going to go ahead and stick with basketball and say that the women's basketball team will make it to the Sweet 16. They should. So it's probably yeah, a they, they, they double. It's a double. Yeah, yeah. They, they should, but I think I'll give you a double just because of the longevity of it. It's expected. Make it, yeah, make it at the start of the tournament and you only get a single for this, but because there's a lot that could happen, Ashley Jones could get hurt, et cetera. I'll give you a double. I like it. What do you got, Kyle? I have two. Um, wow. And I'm looking down and Arian uh, <laughs> outdid me. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that the Bucks will win their division essentially with a record of either nine or eight or eight and nine, but I'm combining them together by saying the Bucks will win the division and have a record of nine or eight or eight or nine. So either one of those win totals gives me a correct prediction if they win the division. So judging by the uh, the record, I assume we're talking about Tampa Bay and not Milwaukee. Correct. <laughs> okay. Cool. I'd be impressed. So it's with a C and not with a CK. Yeah, the Buccaneers. Yes. Uh, I would like to see that as a fan. Somebody who's a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Milwaukee Bucks and then the Pittsburgh Pirates, nicknamed the Buckos. That'd be nice. Um, what is it now in the conference? Uh, they are right now, right? Five and six leading and, their conference. And, and currently leading, leading the division. The and currently yeah. losing to the Saints, if it matters. That division is a mess. I mean, they've got a seventy seven percent chance to win that division. Correct, but I'm, I'm just also see what their games are. the win percentage. Yeah, so I know. Probably win versus the Saints. Hard to tell versus the 49ers at this point. Yeah, they probably lose to the Cincinnati. 
Seven, win Cardinals and Panthers, I think. So that's seven, eight. And then the Falcons again, probably a nine. That feels really easy to me. This is probably a single, but I'm thinking single probably. Yeah, I feel like I was leaning single too. Sure. What's your other prediction? I was low. I figured a twofer <laughs> would give me more than a single, but when, okay. when you said it out loud, I thought it was going to okay, be a double. Then, and then I looked out. If this is a single, then this one's a home run because Gabe Kalsher fires up the grill and scores twenty six against Iowa. Yes, yeah, single oh, twenty six or more. Twenty six or more. Single. <laughs> <laughs> I am kidding. He's scored uh, more than twenty once this season. No. Uh, jeez. Yeah. Home, home run. Probably yep. a home run. But I'd like that. He should try that. What is his points per game? He's averaging 8.4 points per game this season. Oh, eight? That's more than I thought it'd be. I thought it would yeah. probably be around six and a half. No. 8.4 points per game. Oh, Gabe. We're rooting for you, buddy. And I'm rooting right. for him this week to score 26. <laughs> I think we all are. All right. I will round off our predictions. I did three because I just, I love making predictions. Um, my first prediction is that Iowa State men's basketball will finish in the bottom half of the Big 12, but will still make the NCAA tournament. So six I mean, or lower I, with I, a berth. As of right now, um... They're projected to, uh, eight teams in the latest bracketology from the Big Twelve projected to make the tournament. So it's very oh, possible wow. that very possible that they uh, make I mean, the playoffs. Over the past, even what, four or five years, at least seven or eight teams have made the tournament. Right, about a couple of years of six. But yeah, generally a lot of teams because the Big Twelve is good at basketball. Yeah, um, but are we going to finish in the bottom half of the league? I mean, are there five teams that are better than us? Texas, Texas KU, and Baylor are better KU, than us. KU, Baylor, for sure. So who else is better than us? K-State, maybe. TCU, maybe. Oklahoma, maybe. I think K-State like is better. I think TCU is better. I'm more uh, concerned about how we're playing than anybody else. I'm like, I don't know that we have enough to be consistently beating that many teams. I think we're going to lose a lot of games when our offense just doesn't show up. So a lot like last year. Yes, sir. <laughs> what, what, what did we finish last year? Uh, that's a good question. Let me see. We finished one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Yeah, so... I don't know, double, probably. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, sounds good. Sure. All right, my second prediction is that Baker Mayfield will end up on the Los Angeles Rams. Single. Double. Probably a, <laughs> probably a double. You feel very confident about that. You're like, <laughs> definitely. 
he just called me. He let me know. No, I had to, I had to let, I had to give you a little bit of a, a like, I had to spite you a little bit for what okay. you said against Gabe. <laughs> You're like single. I was like, no. Kyle's like sources say Baker Mayfield's going to the Rams. I I just texted Ian Rappaport, host of Rap Sheet and Friends. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he said Baker Mayfield's going to the L.A. Rams. Here Sean, McVay, first. Sean McVay has an extra bedroom in his house for him. Uh, the old Tom Brady, Antonio Brown situation. Hopefully it doesn't deteriorate the same way. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. that being said, this is probably a double. Works for me. What, where are they on waiver order? Can uh, we see that? They're in the, I think they're in the 20s, maybe. Uh, NFL waiver order. I want to see that right now because Texans, Bears, Broncos, Rams are fourth. Oh, fourth. Wow. So, wait, is this a single? I, I didn't realize they were that high. high. It's probably a double still. Right. Essentially, it's, it's based by uh, inverse record. Correct. So... I mean, so double then? So double, yeah. Yeah. Double. Okay. yeah. And then what if my the last pants, what if the pants claim back? You, you it, can't claim some, but you can't do that. It's just not allowed anyway, sorry. Not allowed. Uh, my last prediction is not sports-related at all, but there's precedent for this. Um, I'm... Just started. First day over. Doing a juice cleanse. Uh, not eating any food for like five days with my wife. And I am predicting that Emma will break down and eat food before I do on this juice cleanse. Juice cleanses okay. are so 2016. I don't really give a, a care. So before, before, <laughs> we break, before we break this down a little bit, I'm going to say, to in order to enforce our rules, did Emma uh, agree to allow her to be used in a prediction? Yes, she did. I checked. Okay. Sounds good. Just had to check with the rules first. Yep. I thought about that. Is this also a way for me to motivate myself so I can get a score? Yes. Emma, don't let him do it. <laughs> don't let him win. See what happens. I, I I don't know. Double. I I guess. Single, I have one question for you, Arian. Yes, sir. How much are you craving food right now? Honestly, like a lot. Like dinner time is happening. I'm like, God, man, I want to eat something so bad. Why do you, should, you all eat dinner so eat. late? Well, my uh, wife gets off work at like eight. So I wait for her to come home, and then we eat at like 8.45. I think this is a single. Oh, look at that confidence. I was still going to say a double. Appreciate that. Oh, now you're going to make me pick? Yeah, you got to yeah. pick. Say I'm going to say single just for 50-50. I think, I think Emma's got... I think Emma's got what it takes to outlast, outlast Ari on here, you know? We're going to find out. I just think you're going to break down and, and want food before she does. It's not about wanting it. It's about eating it. That, that's true. That is true. true. I think yeah. you're going to break down and eat it before she does. Now, you're is there anything out. else? So can I go eat the half bag of mini donuts I still have sitting on my kitchen table? I think we're good. 
I think I'm going to go make <laughs> sure. Eat an entire bag of chips. How make does sure that sound, you, Arion? Uh, send videos of yourself yeah, eating food to Arion. Uh, I will do that. enough to sustain me. Wait, that means he's going to... Wait, no. Never mind. Scratch that. We can cut that out of the episode. <laughs> While Arian cleanses his insides, I'm going to cleanse our right countdown predictions. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up our write that down prediction segment, which means, yes, we are at the end of the episode. Oh, I didn't even tell you what the scores were. We wound up with a strikeout, two singles, four doubles, and a home run. We are now cleansed. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 202. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311Cast on Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, R.M. Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!